Hello, this is Pretty Guardian from Nerd Cage Live, and we just wanted to thank you for listening to this audio-only version of the show. And be sure to subscribe here and over on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash nerdcagelive. You're now about to witness the strength of geek knowledge. Hello and welcome. That's right. Once again, you are trapped in Nerd Cage Live. This channel is a celebration of all things pop culture, so please hit that like button, pay the rent, and please <laughs> subscribe. I'm your co-host, Jason motherfucking G, certified geek, seven <laughs> days a week, coming to you live from yours truly, the land of the orange, Syracuse, New York. And always among us, it's our moderator and troll hammer stronger than the DK Banana Sama. It is... Joe from fucking Fallen One Gaming, what's poppin', my dude? Tonight we have the great, legendary David Craddock. <laughs> hey guys, I'm so happy head? to be here. I'm yes. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We are doing bloody fantastic, and congratulations on launching your book that we're going to talk about tonight. Long live. Mortal Kombat, pick up your copy. Link in the description, people. Look at this shit. This is thick with two C's. Get your copy. <laughs> all the juicy stuff. All things Mortal Kombat from a diehard perception of a real video game journalist. But Joe, before we go any further, who do we got in the chat tonight? In the chat tonight, we have Tadmok99. Yo, what is yeah. up? Talk about diehard. Uncanny Carlos, Paul Tackett's in the chat, Mad Mike 54, yes. Shay Smithers, what? Justin McCollum, and who else is in here? Scott Bannock and Jason Williams, yes. Wow, so thank you. Thank you everyone for chat. being here. We will gladly take questions as we go. Obviously try to stay on topic, you know, and if you try to troll, guess what? We'll, Joe will hammer you away. All right, before we get started here, we got a bunch of stuff we want to promote real quick. If, in case you missed a promo, get us to 1,500 subscribers and you can win a brand new Xbox Series X. Get us to 1,500 subscribers, please. And Joe, please tell the chat what we got going on on Twitch tomorrow. Tomorrow, we go back to Luigi's Mansion 3. <laughs> Absolutely. Man. And then Joe, what are we what are we what are we finishing up on Tuesday? On Tuesday, we will be doing our last run of Resident Evil 2. We will do doing an early stream at 6:30 Eastern. Yep. Twitch.tv B. Twitch.tv slash nerdcage live. Be there. And of course, next Thursday. Alright, everybody, put your dicks away. Uh, we have an OnlyFans model coming to hang out with us. That's Mistress Leanna Lee coming on. She's a diehard nerd and is a fan of the channel. So we invited her on just because. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And Joe, tell them about Monday the 24th. On Monday the 24th, we will be doing a spoiler discussion of Black Adam. <laughs> yes. We are super stoked for Black Adam. We're diehard rock fanatics. And yeah, we're going to be talking every single nook and cranny, every single spoiler on Monday the 24th. So yeah, four days to watch the movie and hang out with us on Monday the 24th. Joe and Jay, let me interrupt real quick. Yes. I'm going to pose a question to both of you. Yes. What is your favorite rock movie? 
Mm. It um, doesn't matter what your favorite rock movie is. <laughs> there you go. I'm a diehard man. I can't wait for that movie. I'm a rock fan. Oh, yeah. uh, I can't wait to see. I think the trailers look great. I'm super pumped. I'll have to watch that spoiler discussion. Absolutely. And we, we appreciate that. I mean, I think he's good in everything that he's in. Um, but man, I, I really enjoyed Scorpion King because that was really fun. Uh, I did too. That's a fun was movie. Fantastic. I like it. Like I said, I really like his earlier stuff. Even his his remake of um, Wa uh, Walking Tall. Walking Tall. Yeah. Yeah. Like he he's like this generation Schwarzenegger. So it's really cool that the action hero yeah. isn't dead yet when we got Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, and I mean I grew up watching him in WWE, so I I enjoy all his stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, and like I said, this is this is like our most anticipated movie of the year. Oh yeah, nice. one quick thing. Uh, Pretty Guardian couldn't make it tonight. Uh, she's got uh, family visiting from Britain, and Derek is hard at work at his top ten favorite movies of all time. Speaking of top ten favorite movies, we forgot to mention Joe tomorrow at eight. Yes, tomorrow at eight p.m. we will be premiering my top ten movies of all time. Yeah, so be there for that premiering at eight o'clock tomorrow night right here on YouTube. All right, so. Mr. David L. Craddock, um, again, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Um, My pleasure. What? Let's 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 go back to the beginning. What got you into Mortal Kombat in the first place? Because I never I never get sick of asking a fellow Mortal Kombat fan this question. So how did you get into? Oh that? yeah, man. I mean, just like the Mortal Kombat characters, I think all of us fans we have our origin stories, right? Um, Mine is, uh, so my parents divorced when I was five, which was a good thing for them and a good thing for me because I got, you know, an awesome, uh, some more siblings out of the deal, more grandparents, more Christmas presents and more arcades. I had a local arcade near my dad's place, a local arcade near my mom's place. And I remember once when I was at my dad's, uh, we went into the arcade and there was just this uh, throng of people around the machine so many bodies thick i didn't even know what the machine was but i looked up and there was a monitor mounted on the cabinet that's how you know a game is big right when they want to treat it like a boxing match or the freaking wwe titantron so anyone can see it from anywhere and my dad is there to get me and i look up we both look up just as the screen turns dark and kano rips out someone's heart and my dad was like, nope, and whisked me right out of the arcade. And I was like, yup, I, I had to know what that was. I think a lot of fans can relate to that, right? Like on the surface, Mortal Kombat is this, this bloodbath, but then you go deeper and you get into the characters, you get into the lore, you get into the deeper gameplay. And uh, I've been a fan since I was 10 and MK1 on, in arcades. Absolutely, yeah. I, my, my story is a little similar, man. I. You know, I'm in first grade. I'm working really hard to get Mario laid, and then <laughs> at this, at the, I don't know if anybody remembers this store, this department store. It, it's long dead now, but there was a department store back in the day. If you're a '90s kid, Hills. There was oh, a department yeah. store called Hills. They Hills had, are where the toys are, right? Yes. Yeah, there you go. And they yeah. had, they had, and then right by the cash registers, by the exit, they had, they had a couple, you know, the gumball machines and a couple arcade machines. And there was these two dudes playing what was Mortal Kombat. I'm in line at Hills with my mom. And my mom's like, oh, here's a quarter. Go get your something, something at the gumball machine. And of course, I went over to the gumball machine. I saw the arcade machine. I saw these two dudes playing. And I was just like, I, I, my mind was blown, okay? Keep on, I'm in first grade. We've never seen anything like this before. And my mom comes to grab me. And mo just as this shit was going down, Sub-Zero rips the man's 
head off with the spinal cord <laughs> still attached. And I'll never forget the words coming out of my mom's mouth. And she said, oh my God, this game is awful. <laughs> and I'm like, Mom, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> of course, of course it was. And and, I actually and... had to fight that battle. Now, I don't blame my mother for this. You know, my mom, obviously, she saw the whole Oprah special. And, oh, my God, little kids not play violent video games and all this other stuff. And my mom cock-blocked me from playing Mortal Kombat. But my dad, being the hard-ass conservative that he is, is just like, oh, just <laughs> let him play it. It's just a video game. And like, thanks, Dad. Of course, my dad's word over my mom's word. So, and right, right. the rest is history. And again, I remember hating my mom. But looking back as a 35-year-old man, now almost 36, I look back and I, I can't blame my mom. You know, she just thought she was doing what was best for her son. But... And also a little, but the other, the other side of it, she should have had faith that her son would have been okay regardless. But I don't blame, like I said, as an older man now, I don't blame my mom for reacting that way. I think it was just only natural that, you know, a woman, you know, a Christian woman would obviously freak out over something like that. Well, right on the other side of the coin, my dad was a minister. So he had sort of a kind of a reputation to maintain. But I, I convinced my dad, my stepmom, my mom, my stepdad, all kind of were in agreement eventually where they said okay you know what as long as you're not trying to rip anybody's head off it's just a video game yeah and so i was good there and in fact there's an entire chapter of the book dedicated to the science behind why violent video games will not turn anyone into serial killers it's okay uh preach so that fine. shit yeah, yeah exactly so yeah that's i think that's something all 90s kids could have in common uh, not all, maybe not all, but most, where their parents are like, whoa, 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 what is this? Because, you know, you go from like Pac-Man to Mario to Mortal Kombat. It's quite a jump in, in realistic graphics there. It's only natural that they're going to do a double take at that, right? Yeah. And like I said, I can look back, I can't blame. But Joe, I'm sure you got a story too. Yeah, I mean, my parents were really lax. In fact, my first experience with Mortal Kombat was on the Sega Genesis, and it was actually my father's copy. <laughs> so he was playing it too <laughs> and on on top of that it's like they couldn't be hypocrites because they're sitting there watching like freddy krueger movies and stuff with me if you're gonna let me watch that you're gonna let me play a game you know right. <laughs> and i was playing you know obviously resident evil at a young age too so you know i got exposed to it early and I haven't shot anybody yet or ripped their skull out or nothing. That we know of, Joe. That we know of. <laughs> Don't open the closet. All the skeletons will come tumbling out. Yes. Don't worry, Joe. I'll, I'll cover for you. I don't need to lose my moderator. I appreciate it. Um, I wanted to mention, so, so David, in your book, I'm, I'm just going to put this up to the camera so everybody can see. We have yes. forwards by John Tobias, the co-creator of Mortal Kombat, as well as James Ralph, the angry video game nerd. So please, 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 please tell us how you managed to get them to uh, write forwards for, for your book. We'd love to know. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll start with James Rolfe since that one actually came around first. So I've been a writer for coming up on 19 years this January, and I've written all sorts of stuff. But starting last year, I got my first opportunity to write and direct a film. I'm working on a documentary called FPS, First Person Shooter, which is about role-playing games. No, it's about first person shooters. And uh, <laughs> uh, we, uh, the production company that hired me, uh, they had interviewed James Rolfe for their um, epic horror 
a trilogy of, of documentaries about 80s horror movies called In Search of Darkness. And uh, I believe the, the third one is, is funding now, I think. But um, they had interviewed James, who, of course, you know, James Rolfe uh, is a horror movie buff himself. He's yep. made horror films. He's just a scholar of horror movies. And I set up an interview with him. Um, Robin, my boss, the, the executive producer of FPS, said, you know, James plays FPS games, too. And James emailed back and he's like, well, I really only play Doom. And Doom is my favorite FPS. So I was like, I can talk to you about Doom. So James and I hit it off. We had a good interview. And I asked them, I'm like, hey, I'm writing this Mortal Kombat book. Would you mind reading it? And if, if you have time, I know you're busy, write a forward. And you know, within like a couple of weeks, he was like, boom, how's this? And I was like, it's awesome. I have a, I have a forward by the angry video game nerd. So that was really cool. Um, John Tobias, uh, I met a few years ago. One of my earlier books is called Arcade Perfect, which is about arcade to home conversions. Cause you know, nice. 90s kids, we grew up playing as, you know, I was introduced to Mortal Kombat and arcade and Street Fighter, but I sunk a lot more hours into the home versions of those games. So home ports have always been near and dear to me. I was the kid who would sit down with with copies of Nintendo Power, GamePro, EGM, and I was just really fascinated by the differences in every version. Like, why were the graphics different? Why was the sound different? Why were some of the animations different? And so Arcade Perfect explores that. And the whole reason I wrote it was because I'm a Mortal Kombat nerd, and I, I just wanted to talk to John Tobias. And I said, if I can do that, the rest of the book will take shape around him. And, and sure enough, I got to talk to guys like Al Alcorn, who who wrote um, Pong for Atari, and then also did the home, like the console-only version of Pong. So that was cool. But um, after I interviewed uh, John, I asked him if he would mind reading the book and writing a blurb if he liked it. So he did write a blurb for me. And then last year, I think in February, I reached out to him again and said, hey, um, this probably won't surprise you, but one of my upcoming projects is a book dedicated to Mortal Kombat. And uh, I was able to to interview him for that. Um, and I said, you know, if, if you if you like the book, if you agree with it, if it's if it's factual and everything, I would be honored if you consider writing a foreword. And um, he read it, he agreed with it. And um, I'm I was over the moon. He, the funny thing was, he, he kept telling me like over a week, he was like, I'm, I'm almost done with the forward. And I was just like, refresh, 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 waiting for it to hit my inbox and just had to keep waiting like another <laughs> three days, three days. And when it finally landed, it. you know, you know, so when it finally landed, I was like, oh man, like I, I can't believe what an honor this is. One of the, the two and only two co-creators of Mortal Kombat uh, to write a forward for my book was just a huge honor but it also he did it because it you know got his stamp of approval it's it's legitimate it's researched it's the the real deal wow that that is absolutely freaking amazing also i just want to reiterate to the chat and everybody here this book is actually it's actually about a spe specific era of mortal kombat and that's the classic yeah. arcade era mortal kombat one two three and four which in my opinion my humble opinion is the best <laughs> era of mortal kombat because at that time john tobias was still in charge of the story the story arcs and the character stories and whatnot and in my humble opinion i've said this before when we interviewed on komi dogu shout out to chris and toasty uh, i'm now right i'm a writer for them now by the way um excellent that, excellent yes <laughs> flawless victory the um <laughs> I feel like Mortal Kombat hasn't been the same. 
since John Tobias left. Now, I'm not taking anything away from John Vogel and everybody else or the NetherRealm Studio people, but man, right. when Tobias was 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 kind of overseeing everything, man, it just it hit different back then. Maybe it's because I was, you know, you know, you know, between the ages from like five all the way to like uh, 10, 11 years old. It, yeah. Maybe maybe it felt different, but to me, just I just feel like the Mortal Kombat story hasn't been the same ever since. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, or if you want to serve your opinion on, um, you know, on John Tobias' um, trip, you know, his, you know, what his he's role, done with the yeah, yeah, his his influence, yeah, for sure. So so one thing I I learned um, in writing this and in interviewing people like John and others at Midway is that. Um, uh, John made it really clear that, like, you know, he's known as kind of like the the, the lead scribe of Mortal Kombat, but really he and he and Ed Boon were in lockstep the whole time. They would riff on characters, and sometimes Ed would describe something and John would go draw it, or sometimes John would draw something first and take it to Ed. So, you know, I, I know that, like, um, John Tobias is often, often known as the creative driving force behind it, but it was really Ed and John, this kind of this, it was it was Noob Cybot the whole time, right? Yeah. Um, I think that, so I, I love the NetherRealm games, but I think that there are a few reasons a lot of fans hold the arcade era near and dear to their heart. And I think the first and foremost reason has to do with nostalgia. Yeah. Video games, the video game industry was still so young and still new back then. So Mortal Kombat 1 and 2 and 3 are inherently going to be more magical than 9 and 10 and 11 because even 9, there's a reason they went back and rebooted and retold yeah. the MK trilogy story, right? Because yeah. they knew that that roster is basically perfect. Yeah, so it's the base it, roster, it, you know? Yeah, it, it is the template. I mean, if you look at Ultimate MK3, especially, that is the roster going forward. If you don't have at least like 60% of that roster, you might be doing something wrong. Um, but I, I also think it's because of the, the difference in storytelling methods. And as a writer, this is what's really fascinating to me. I think what NetherRealm is doing with the cinematic story mode, which they've been really knocking out of the park since Mortal Kombat 8, MK versus DCU, is telling stories that spell things out. The only questions left unanswered are the questions that we have at the end of the game when we wonder what's going to happen in the next story. Yeah. In the arcade era, they didn't have the technology to tell stories that way. And also they were making an arcade game. You know, one of the things John told me was, you know, Ed and I were both really proud of the character bios and the attract screen, but you don't want people staring at that. We want them putting money into our game, right? Yeah. Um, so they would occasionally go to the arcade and see, you know, players looking at the bios and they're like, man, somebody stick a quarter in there, <laughs> right? Um, but I think the cool thing, part of what made those games magical, at least for me, is that every ending was speculative. Every yeah. ending was a, here's what could Could have happen. happened. It wasn't exactly canon. Yeah. And but so there some was, elements you know, were, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's not until the next game that you find out whose ending is canon and which parts of other characters ending is canon and yeah. i think that was the fun like just to see the endings like i'll never forget uh one of my favorites is uh rico's from mk4 he walks into a portal disappears where does he go and then in gold we see that he goes to a throne room he takes the seat on the throne and he puts on shao Kahn's helmet so that continues the story and now you're asking more questions you're like was he shao Kahn? is he saying i'm Khan now is it like what does this mean and there was so much to talk about in every ending every character bio whereas now i think that nether realm they're so good at crafting really what feels like a movie that you play occasionally which is great 
but there's not as much mystery involved in it. There can't be. There, it's a much more explicit, clearly stated form of storytelling. And I love yeah, that Easter know. egg. I'm sorry. I just love the Easter egg from Mortal Kombat Deception where Shao Kahn's like, tell Raiko to stop hanging out in my throne room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, Edward and John Tobias... They didn't create the first Easter egg, but I would argue that they were the best at it. Maybe even Ed specifically, because uh, John told me some stories that he shared on Twitter as well of Ed sneaking stuff into the game that only he could do as the sole programmer. Only he had access to what was going on under the hood. So there's stuff in there that we even surprised John Tobias and other people at Midway, but they both loved that. They would, they would, uh, they love to look at early video game forums. They love to look at magazines and see what people are talking about and kind of talk amongst themselves and say, what rumors should we play to? You know, this Ermac guy, what do we want to do with that? You know, that yeah. sort of thing. All right, Joe, yeah. what were you going to say? I think, I think video games, like as a whole, in the timeline of when they've been around till now, have gone through like three different phases. I think back in the arcade days, it was more imaginative. It was more, you give them a little bits and pieces and you let their imagination take over. Probably for your, re your reason that uh, that you said where, you know, they need quarters. <laughs> well, but also but, uh, they had to, right? The technology wasn't there. Yeah, your imagination had to fill in those gaps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the second phase, they put big emphasis around the story because they didn't have the technology to do the graphics that they do today. Right. Now it seems like they've gone away from storytelling and they just do graphical pushes now. Like how far can we push the graphics? That's, a, that's basically mm -hmm. where they've gone to. And the stories kind of get lackluster from that, sadly. Um, and if you go into like, you know, FPS, Blizzard games, stuff like that, I mean, now you got your microtransactions where they're trying to just make the money that way. So it's 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 taken a turn for the worse in the last couple of years, I think, and I'm hoping they get back on track at some point. <laughs> But yeah, I, I would say that uh, I've, you know, I've written extensively about Blizzard. I've been told by people at Blizzard that I probably know more about that company than anyone even who works there. Uh, and I would say they probably have even bigger problems over the last year, especially. Yeah, than, I was going to say, things over there is not pretty over there. But that's definitely the so. Diablo Immortal doesn't bother me because that's made as a mobile game. And if you play mobile games, look. People can play what they play, but when you play games on certain platforms, you're just kind of asking to be inundated with ads and, you know, microtransactions and stuff. But yeah. I hope they keep that junk out of Diablo 4. And I feel like yeah. that's why they created, created Immortal, right? Like, hey, we can kind of infest that with all the microtransaction garbage. But Diablo 4, hopefully they learned their lesson from 3, because if we recall, the auction house did not go over well. It did not last long. It was very much a pay-to-win sort of game, and they caved to to crowd pressure, as they should have in that instance, Yeah, and, and, and reverted it. And Diablo 3 took several months to be what I would consider a, a good game. It's someone who holds Diablo near and dear to his heart as well. Yeah, the biggest company I have an issue with in that regard is EA, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, where do you even start with that? They, exactly. You know, the irony there is that they started, uh, Trip Hawkins' vision for EA was a company that would treat its designers like music artists and let the artists drive their art. And now it's like 
I don't think they would spell artist without someone pitching. Well, what if we charge them money for the IST? What if that's a yeah. microtransaction? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, a company that's really kind of lost its way. But every now and then, we'll see something good out of them, right? It's just yeah. that it's it's increasingly infrequent. I'm glad Dead Space is coming back. I'm excited yeah. for more of those. I'm just, so, I'm yeah, just tired that they, they keep doing visceral, they keep doing Call of Duty every year. They keep doing like, um, you know, like FIFA and Madden. It's just like it's just. It's, they're just hashing out the same game every year. However, right. if EA, if you're listening, please, 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 as as a diehard boxing fan, please give us another fight night. <laughs> oh man, I've, I've been, been waiting dying. for fight night for more than a decade. Like, please, God, if you're those, listening, <laughs> those were great. I remember I got into it because it was either fight night two or three on GameCube came with Super Punch Out. I think, and I'm like, well, this is the version I have to buy. But then I got super into that, like Fight Night as well. I was like, this series is really cool. So yeah. I, I feel like even if you don't know a thing about boxing, like I think you can get into Fight Night. Like it's oh, I that agree. it's that good of a of a sports game. Like another another prime example, which is Mortal Kombat related, NFL Blitz. By the way, I got my my arcade one up. I haven't even opened it yet. But but nice. like NBA Jam, NFL Blitz, like those games, those arcade style sports games. You don't need to be a sports fanatic to get into those games. They are just yeah. genuinely fun, especially with friends. You know, we come from the yeah. era of multiplayer split screen and mm -hmm. whatnot. And I'm telling you, like NFL Blitz and what's cool about Blitz, for those who don't know, but I'm sure a little more combat fans know, in NFL Blitz 2000, you can unlock Raiden and Shinnok. In NBA Jam, uh, uh, David, help me. It, it's Reptile Scorpion Sub-Zero, right? Uh, yeah, Tabmok's in the chat. He probably would know this better than I do, but uh, those three are in there for sure. Yeah, yeah and, and of course, those were obviously these games were also published by Midway, so they had right. they had rights to those characters. They had rights to the NFL and the NBA, which is mind blowing because you know now obviously EA owns all the you know NFL and all that stuff yeah. now, which is a damn shame. And I I think a, a while back. Um, Earlier this year, Carrie Haskins posted something that she was playing it, <laughs> like a picture yeah, of her she, playing she it. She was a cheerleader in. Uh, That's yeah. how she got her start yeah. in games. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah and then mm -hmm. she did Aerosmith, uh, Revolution X, which, yeah. which uh, shout out to my buddies. Uh, we were at G Fest. We went to the Galloping Ghost Arcade and we played. We played Revolution X from start to finish, and we had an absolute ball. <laughs> oh, dude, I love that game. One of my favorite things about that game is like you'd, I think you had to wait like five or 10 seconds, but if you touched like a button during the attract mode, you get this, hey! <laughs> I, I, just, I love that. It's one of my favorite little uh, memories from arcades. Oh, absolutely. Do you want the chance to win a free brand new Xbox Series X? All you have to do is subscribe to Nerdcage Live over on youtube.com slash nerdcagelive. Once we get to 1500 subscribers, we'll release a video on how you can enter. No purchase necessary. Contest is for US and Canada only. All right, so, okay, I guess, so I got a good question here because we're, we're trying to sell books tonight. All right, we're trying to sell books, everybody. Again, yeah. link in the description to pick up <laughs> your copy of Long Live Mortal Kombat written by yours truly, David L. Craddock. It's, uh, again, fantastic read, but, but listen, listen, listen. Let, let's, try to, let, let's, let's try to sell some books right here tonight. What would you say, we're, we're trying to sell some books. What would you say, what are like some of the juiciest bits of information, the juiciest stories that you want to share that are in the book 
that you may not see anywhere else that a good reason why people should buy this book even if they even people like me who think they know everything about everything about everything about Mortal Kombat what is in this book that they may not know or something juicy what what's gonna sell to, 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 to the Mortal Kombat fan to go buy this book well, um, without getting into specifics, I can definitely say that the book puts um, years of, of misinformation to rest in some cases. But okay. um, especially, I would say, I think the one of the most interesting things is, you know, a lot of people, and this is uh, relevant because last weekend was the 30th anniversary. So a lot of people, especially looking to Ed Boon and NetherRealm and asking, hey, wh why didn't you give us anything for the 30th anniversary? But the thing that a lot of people don't know is that although Ed Boon and John Tobias co-created, and again, are the only two co-creators of Mortal Kombat, um, they were never firmly in control of it. Midway ultimately held the purse strings because it was created at Midway for Midway, and that's why Midway owns the IP. And even now, you know, WB is calling a lot of the shots. So um, after Mortal Kombat 1, you know, nobody really expected that to be a hit. It was actually created because Midway had a gap uh, before NBA Jam and John and Ed had been kind of brainstorming this fighting game. And Neil Nicastro and Ken Fidesna said, yeah, okay, sure, a fighting game. Yeah, we'll get a license attached to it. We'll do Van Damme. And that didn't work. But by then, you know, after the first test hit, everyone was like, okay, we might have something here. But after Mortal Kombat 1, despite it being a success, John and Ed kind of said, you know, Mortal Kombat 2, yeah, maybe eventually, but we really want to do a Star Wars game. And Neil Nicastro and Ken Fidesna said, haha, very funny, you're doing Mortal Kombat 2. So I asked Ken Fidesna, since he, he was the manager of the video and pin, pinball wow. departments, I, I asked Quite him. Quite the source. Yeah, so there you go, right? He actually, he opened up, he shared with me all of his meeting notes taken at like every meeting Midway ever had. I had figures, dates. It was really, really cool to look at that stuff. Nice. Um, but I asked him, I said, hypothetically, what if John and Ed had put their foot down and said, no, we don't want to do Mortal Kombat 2, at least not right now. We want to do Star Wars. And he said, well, we, we would have let them do Star Wars because we want to keep our designers happy. But we would have said, but we're giving Mortal Kombat 2 to another team. And they knew that was kind of a, a subtle manipulation, or maybe not so subtle, that that made, would make John and Ed go, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. okay, we'll do Mortal Kombat 2. Um, <laughs> there was, you know, Midway kind of made sure, like, okay, the designers have to be happy, but also we're here to make money, right? Um, there was another instance where days before, I'm talking literal days before Mortal Monday, uh, John Tobias and Ed Boone wanted to hold the Super Nintendo version. They were not happy with how it played. So, most or people for remember MK2 the Super or MK1? MK1. Okay. Uh, so most people I can agree to that. As, as great well, as it looked, it played like So ass. that's the thing, right? It looked great. Almost arcade perfect. Really yep. the best looking of all the of the 16-bit ports. But yes. uh, in addition to it not having blood in the original arcade fatalities, it didn't play well. And I actually write about this in Arcade Perfect. What I found out was uh, there was a programmer at Sculptured Software whom McLean hired to do the SNES port that said, oh, I can do all this. And the thing is, even though this is Mortal Kombat, a high-profile project, ports were not given a lot of resources. It was usually one programmer, two or three months, go. And this guy talked a lot of talk, but eventually, like a month, month and a half passed, he hadn't done really anything. So they had to, they removed him. They had to put three programmers on it to do the work of one because they were so tight on time. And what happened was there was an internal table linking animations and player input. And if anyone, that got screwed up. So if anyone's ever played that port, you know that if you press a button, 
the character just kind of stands there. You have to really pound on those buttons to get it to yep. pay attention to you. Ed and John didn't like that. They were upset about the quality and they wanted to hold they wanted to hold the version. They kind of wanted to basically um, cause a, an embargo on it. And a claim was by this time they said we had enough if you guys hold this up we will sue you not them personally but we will sue midway and midway said guys we've got a lot of money on the line there are cartridges you know coming on trucks from mexico coming in planes from all over the world we bought up every cartridge possible because we're going to make a lot of money on this if this is going to happen and, and so the that's 16 the 16-bit war is full-fledged too this, the 16-bit war is full-fledged so that's the thing right like uh john and ed they they did midway did want them to sign off on things but when push came to shove they owned mortal Kombat, not the co-creator so for anyone asking ed boone why didn't you give us anything ed boone can't always give you what you want he loves to tease absolutely oh, yeah. but he's but he's not ultimately the one who can pull the trigger wb has to give the go-ahead so which sucks because <laughs> right. it's like we, we all know like we all want that reveal which is mk12 we're but we we know the merger and all i'm sure right. the merger some and, other factors you know and it's funny because if you if you look at wb as a whole with what they're doing with everything their movies and everything you can kind of see a pattern well and you know who's pulling the strings <laughs> really right now i don't think the left hand knows what the right hand is doing over there because of this discovery merger yep. you know they're canceling shows they canceled the batgirl film which batman's my favorite character of all time any any batman or bat family related media i'm in and then i, I got some I, nights I next fathom. week sorry yeah <laughs> oh no i'm dude my wife we just got a second ps5 we're gonna sit next to each other and play through this thing oh, I um i'm so excited Oh, it's going to be great, right? But like, that's the thing. Like, there's so much turmoil over there. Um, I I will say that uh, for the 30th anniversary, what I would have loved to see, and it still could happen. But you know, right now, Eyeballistic is uh, is working on a remake of Mortal Kombat trilogy. I've interviewed their entire team yes. about that. I yep. I have an oral history on that coming out. I'm and working. What on they have out is like amazing. It's amazing. It looks great. So, so I'm working on a companion book to Long Live Mortal Kombat, which will be about five bucks digital, uh, probably about fifteen paperback, something like that. But it's called Cool Stuff, which is just bonus interviews I couldn't fit into the main book. I have a complete oral history of their project. But in Long Live Mortal Kombat, I think it's chapter uh, thirty-eight or thirty-nine. I changed the order right at the last minute, so I'm I'm confused on some stuff. But, um, <laughs> I have at one point Digital Eclipse was working on, and people have seen this. You've seen behind the scenes photos of the new actors filming in front of green screens. Yeah, and one of them was uh, Anthony Marquez's son. Right. So yeah. I have the complete behind the scenes story of how that happened, why it didn't happen, and what they wanted to do with it, and how it and ultimately it became the arcade collection. It's it gut was it's gut wrenching. -wrenching. Yeah. I was so but, looking forward to it, and. What we got, despite I still play because it, it has online capabilities and, and we played it on Twitch, you know, Twitch purposes as well, but right. the arcade collection we got was a letdown. For example, Mortal Kombat 2, you can't fight against smoke because when you hit start and down, when Toasty appears, it, it pauses the game itself. I'm not talking Mortal Kombat 2, I'm saying the, 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 the arcade collection itself will pause, yeah. like disabling you, you know, to fight smoke. Right. And then there's like other like glitches. Okay, for the casual or not so savvy 
video game person. You probably won't see it, but for someone like like us three nerds you see on screen right now, who know the ins and outs of Mortal Kombat, all the sounds, all the music, there are musical glitches. There's like uh, yeah. musical loops that are not timed right. There's, uh, for example, like I think when Raiden launches his lightning ball and then you block it, it there's like a glitch sound. Like it just sucks that we never got a great um, port, like report of the arcade. I mean, it's it's still closest to the arcade collection that we got besides the arcade one up. But the, it just sucks that it, it could have been better. It felt like it was rushed. And when, when we knew that this, these the, the remakes were coming out, and we saw pictures, we, it got us all excited. And then when they shit canned it, it was it was it was a slap to the face to all the fans. It was right, right. And it's uh, you know full stories in the book. The you know cool stuff. The companion book will have eyeballistics. Cool story. I really am impressed with those guys. Uh, Chestum Cullum is a super talented artist. He's working on it. He's shared some assets with me. So I wish those guys the best. I if if it, if it were me, I'd, I'd green light in a second. But yeah, look at that. He, he does 3D prints. Yes, the, Justin, the if you see tower. this, um, dude. By the way, we'd love to have you on the show. But Justin, thank you so much for making this for me. Of course, uh, to my our dear friend Master Marquez, I I picked you as the. The character to go up the ladder and uh yes so yeah shout out to uh justin it's awesome for his brilliant um you know artwork yes uh so yeah just a lot of cool behind the scenes stuff i always when i do these books um when i write about classic games that have been written about quite a bit like mortal kombat like doom i always look for angles that people haven't explored because i don't just want to rehash anything and so uh, I'm pretty sure that in every chapter you'll learn something you didn't know, even if you're a diehard Mortal Kombat fan. Yes. I, I would. I had Tabmok. I interviewed Tabmok, and I sent him uh, a few like FYIs and tidbits, and I I blew his mind more than once. And I, I actually I, that was the Tabmok test for me. I'm like, okay, if I can impress <laughs> him, I'm on the right track here. Uh, so that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. We are super grateful that we have. As a Mortal Kombat fan, we are, and, and of course, Nerd Cage Life, we are super grateful that we have someone like Tabmog99 in our Mortal Kombat community because yes. that man's just loaded with information. And, and, and shout out to his, his, his dry humor. It gets me every time. Um, <laughs> great friend of the channel. Um, all, all, all around awesome dude. And yeah, we, we, we're just, like I said, as a, let's just say it, the Mortal Kombat community is the best goddamn video game community on earth, man. And we're happy to be part of it. And, we, and we're happy to have. Guys like David and Tab Monk and Justin McCollum and you know the <coughs> Toasty and uh, Chris Belgianos, like all these great people, all these talented creators and and guys that just they're just a wealth of knowledge and it's just it's always a fun community. Like every day, there's always some information out there that we learn amongst each other. It's always a damn good time. Um, Absolutely. So David, I just want so you brought it up just a few minutes ago, and I, I want definitely want to bring this up. Like, let's just reiterate this. I remember Joe and I we've been. We've been talking about this for the last week and a half here. The 30th anniversary of Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Okay. It was we we you kind of already touched on what what why this and that didn't happen, but I'm still not I'm still just want to just say this right here right now on air that I was really disappointed. I was I was hoping we'd get just a little something. Now, granted, the video that they, that that Warner Brothers released it was a great video as someone who edits content myself. I was really impressed with how the video was edited, but but overall, like man, we were hoping to get some kind of announcement. We were hoping to get some kind of collection. 
like Capcom does for Street Fighter. You know, mm -hmm. like, like, man, just, it was a letdown, but I don't know. David, what, what was your perspective? How did you feel about the this current 30th anniversary? Is there anything you want to add or anything you just want to reiterate? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know what, I'm, I'm a fan first, but the interesting thing is, you know, so part of being a writer for 18 years is um, I've, I've written games in the industry. I, I wrote several Marvel characters for Marvel Heroes Online. I'm working on a game right now, an upcoming FPS that hasn't been announced yet, but I know fans are going to be super stoked. And so I have uh, I have some knowledge of how the industry works. So I, I try to like set that aside and be a fan and try to understand like where they're coming from, right? Because I'm a fan at the end of the day, too. Yeah. And as a fan, I'm like, okay, even though I know why like Ed Boon couldn't, you know, Ed Boon has a plan, Netherrealm has a plan, and they have to make sure that aligns with what Warner Brothers wants them to do. But uh, I definitely, you know, the interesting thing about Street Fighter 30th, that's a perfect example of, that's something that, act, that came out in 2018, which is actually the 31st year, but they at least announced it yeah. in 2017 on the 30th year, right? So like, and Nintendo did that with Breath of the Wild. It wasn't ready in 2016, yeah. but it was ready in 2017, right? So but at least we had some sort of announcement. Although they and completely- Mario. And Mario, although Nintendo kind of, I was very let down as a Super Zelda fan, yeah, uh, I was Zelda's let down with the Zelda, Zelda anniversary, and Donkey Kong never got shit for his 40th anniversary, but whatever. Right, right. <laughs> they they kind of, they cherry-picked the characters they celebrate and, and yeah. when and how, right? But um, I I would have loved to have seen another collection. Uh, I know that, you know, some people have said, like, oh, we've gotten the arcade games so many times. Well, the arcade games are now two generations. The last yes, exactly. arcade collection is yep. two generations old. Yeah. I would love, it, it can be an HD remaster or it can just be ports like yep. the street fighter 30th anniversary collection i would love i think i shared this on twitter my dream is not only their arcade games but do what digital eclipse again just masters of the of the remasters and, and anthologies i would love the home versions as well like they did with yeah. cowabunga collection i want the arcade games yeah. i want the home ports give yeah. me the tiger electronics bullshit game give me that why not throw it in there you know i, what I know mean? what i want and I'm surprised you didn't bring it up, but I, I but, but Tab Monk's already reiterated why, but my God, can we please get Mortal Kombat 4 arcade port? Let it run an arcade one up or or bundled in with a, with a collection. Dude. Mortal Kombat 4 needs a that's my That's my favorite arcade era game. And it's so underappreciated. I love Mortal Kombat 4. Uh, I would love uh, like a, an arcade one up, but like the you know the cool thing about as a kid, I was like I would love arcade cabinets. Now I'm like I'm an adult. I'm like I actually these things are kind of a pain in the ass to build, and I can't just have them <laughs> everywhere. But like I, I would take one of those, right? I would take one for sure. But also like give me I want to play Mortal Kombat Four on my Switch. I want to play it on my PC yes, without that's emulation. Yes, the, the Switch stuff. is portable. Can you imagine yeah. playing these Mortal Kombat arcade games on the go? Like, Imagine for the first time having a good portable Mortal Kombat arcade port, right? That would be like insane. I, my, my first home version of Mortal Kombat was the Game Boy. It was rough, you guys, but I made do. Yeah. But now, now I could play an arcade perfect game, an arcade perfect port of Mortal Kombat, arcade perfect because it is the arcade game on my Switch, and they just won't give it to me. I'm doing yeah. the, the cliche of throwing money at the screen and it's not working and I just don't get it. You know? <laughs> no, that's exactly right. Let's talk about Mortal Kombat 4 real quick. Like, I feel like Mortal Kombat 4 was like a pivotal turn.
turn. Like, first and foremost, like, like, obviously this is the same story. I'm joking. Back me up on this. Same story every year. Every time a new Mortal Kombat game came out, it always always came to arcades first. There was always that one big loudmouth. Wasn't me. There was always that one big loudmouth <laughs> kid screaming down the hallway. Oh my God! There's Mortal Kombat 2s out. Mortal Kombat 3s out. There's another Mortal Kombat 3 out. Now Mortal Kombat 4 is out. And it's like, yeah, sure, we don't believe you. And then, mm-hmm. lo and behold, I'll go to the mall, local mall. There it is. Right. Man, no, seeing Mortal Kombat, I know, the, I, I know graphically it's aged. Let me just repeat that. I understand it has aged. But, man, when Mortal Kombat 4 <coughs> came out, seeing these characters in full-blown 3D with a 3D environment, 60 frames per second, weapon combat, throwing the rocks... And man, did I fall in love with Fujin because it was cool. Yeah. Keep in mind, I didn't play, I did play Sub Zero, Mortal Kombat Mythology Sub Zero, but I didn't play, but I played Mortal Kombat 4 first. Right. So when I finally saw that Raiden wasn't the only god and we had the god of wind, like, like and Raiden's always been my favorite character. I've always been a Raiden guy, still am. Right. Raiden. Again, when you. Let me just oh, let me just take the floor for a second. When you first see the Mortal Kombat one character select screen, which character pops out the most? It is Raiden. Seeing Carlos Piscina and the lightning behind, the glowing eyes and the lightning in the background stands out. And I was that was the character I went to. And I see the lightning bolts swirl around him. I've always been a Raiden guy, but when Mortal Kombat four came out, and I see Fujin, Raiden's brother. I'm like, oh my god, this guy is the coolest. And like, I fell in love with Fujin. And then, and then as a Fujin fan, I got fucking cockfucked because then Fujin disappeared all the way up until Armageddon. And even Armageddon, Dude. I don't even want to count that as an appearance. Rico. And then finally, Mortal Kombat 11, they gave, gave us back. Well, I'm just saying, it was Fujin, man. Fujin was like that one character just blew my socks away because it was just, it was something cool, something new. And I love Mortal Kombat 4 for that reason because of Fujin. Yeah, man. Uh, that's the interesting thing. A lot of the MK4 characters have not uh, really been given the limelight. And I know that there are the, the 3D era fans in here like, man, poor, poor Rico, but let me talk to you about Havoc or, or Cobra. Don't talk to me about Cobra. That character is lame. Fuck Cobra! But, um, I know, that guy sucks. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think Mortal Kombat 4, I mean, the graphics have aged, but like it was part of the first wave of 3D games. So like, yeah, but Mario sixty four looks pretty old these days too. Yeah, right? so it's just it, it's it's just gonna happen. But uh, I think it was. <clears throat> there's an interesting trend in Mortal Kombat history, where every four games, um, Midway now Another Realm releases what could be considered a bridge into the next era. Mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat four was a three D game, but it really played closer to the two D games. But that was sort of a bridge that led us yes. to Deadly Alliance. And then MK versus DC dispensed with the 3D gameplay, brought us back to 2D, and led into the reboot. And era, gave right? us a story mode for the first time. And gave us a story mode for the first time. So there's there's this there's this trend there. And I feel like Mortal Kombat 4, I felt that one thing that was lost with Mortal Kombat 3, as much as I love UMK3 and Trilogy, is that the dialogue combos <clears throat> made the series more inaccessible than it had ever been. <clears throat> yeah. Because you had to, it was like a phone number back then. There was no speed dial. You yeah. either knew the numbers or you didn't, and you were at a disadvantage. And the thing about Mortal Kombat is, yes, skilled players will rise to the top, but anyone could be able to pick any of these characters and stand a fighting chance, unlike Street Fighter, say. Yeah. So Mortal Kombat 4, with the universal combo system, I felt kind of even the playing field 
while also allowing players to be very creative with that universal combo system. Very um, well said. So yeah. I love that game. Yeah, I love I love that game. I would love to see it back. Yeah, like I said, I'm not I'm I, I I'm always gonna like refer to the you know the characters from the first three games, but every game there's always a character I gravitate to. And more kind of for that was Fujin, and and shout out to you know obviously I really like Reiko and Tanya were great characters too. I wasn't too big on Jarek or Kai, if you want the honest truth. But I didn't hate them like everybody else did. But man, but 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 like I said, every new game there was always, a, and then of course Deadly Alliance, you know there was yeah. Kenshi, um, and then Deception was Havoc, and I actually I actually liked Kira as well. Uh, yeah. cool see, cool for... a female black dragon was cool you know oh yeah uh she was she was my main in deception but yeah. um mortal kombat 4 also came out in a weird time like mortal kombat 4 mortal kombat as a franchise was kind of in a downturn there was some yeah, oversaturation came out and... yeah it was just like almost too much of a good thing you know in 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 five years they had pumped out like six games because they kept iterating on mk3 and and between that the movies the tv shows it was just like all right all right, all right. like you can have too much of a good thing they needed to cool it for a bit yeah. um and that's that's actually another detail that i found out after mortal kombat 4 uh ken finesse said that you know ed boone came to us and said i want to break and we actually told him that's good because if you didn't say that we were going to tell you to take a break because mortal kombat needs you know people need to we need to let absence make the heart grow fonder because yeah. Mortal Kombat 4, the sales numbers, I'd never known these before, but Ken Fidesna said, if you look at Mortal Kombat 2 as the peak, selling over 26,000 arcade units, yeah, Mortal Kombat 4 sold just north of 4,000. That is a huge drop. That's, that is just off a cliff. Shame. That's a cliff. Yeah, and it was great, but it was almost like, you know, Fighting games also, I kind of write about this for context, but yep. fighting games were also in a bad place because what had happened is the games were becoming so complex that, uh, and you know, Capcom, Rare, other fighting game designers admitted this, the games were becoming too complex. And if you don't have new casual players coming in and converting to hardcore, your base is going to die off. And that's what happened for a while. That's um, so, oh, go ahead, Joe. Yeah. Go ahead, Joe. I didn't say anything. I was oh, agreeing. Oh, yeah. okay. I was just going to say, uh, you know, also what probably didn't help Mortal Kombat 4, Tekken, you know, was was a thing, right. you know, and they kind of did the 3D fighting thing. For, I mean, Virtual Fighter did it first, but but it was really Tekken that, in my <laughs> mind, Tekken was the one that blew up in our, you know, on both arcade and on PlayStation. So, yeah. Mortal Kombat was at a disadvantage when Mortal Kombat 4 came out, but as yeah. a diehard Mortal Kombat Same. fan, I was blown away by Mortal Kombat 4 because it was, again... 3D, it was fast, and I loved the characters, but apparently those characters didn't resonate with the rest of the fan base, but it, it, they did with me, so... Yeah, you know, it's sometimes I feel like the character that stood out the most to someone was Quan Chi, because when we got the reboot with Mortal Kombat 9, Quan Chi was representing Mortal Kombat 4, Yeah, <laughs> you know? So it was always kind of interesting to me to see that. I loved Rico first because aesthetically he looked like uh, Nightwing, like Dick Grayson. I'm yeah. a huge Nightwing fan. But then the gameplay as well. I loved coming up with juggle combos that played with his uh, shurikens and his cartwheel kick. And it's, it's fucking really fun club. to juggle. Oh, that and that club. That yeah, man. Club. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing too. Like Mortal Kombat 4, yeah, technically a 3D game, but the 3D gameplay elements, the stepping in and stepping out, were really clunky. Tekken, which was like the big 3D yeah. uh, game of that era, was so smooth it was so easy to move in 3d and there is escalation in the industry the entire 
industry, Home and Quainoff was going 3D because players want the latest and greatest thing, and that was 3D at the time. It took them about a decade to, to realize, actually, maybe 3D isn't the end-all be-all. We can have 3D graphics on a 2D plane, like the best of both worlds, right? Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're getting to about an hour right now, and we respect everybody's time. We respect your time. We respect everybody in the chat's time. And we, you know, it's for some people, it's a school night. So let's, let's, hammer, let's hammer through for a few more questions in here. Joe, I want you to handle this part, Joe. So, Joe, let's do some rapid-fire questions uh, uh, for David here. So uh, do you got you got the questions I sent you, Joe? Yeah. With the favorite, the one with those Peltem, the fa favorite MK game, favorite character, favorite, you know, favorite. Oh. Yeah, yeah, real quick, Joe, uh, Mad Mike in the chat says MK4 has the most intimidating soundtrack. I think you're spot on, dude. I love that yes. game soundtrack. It was a return yeah. to kind of the darker tone of one and two, and I love that game song soundtrack. Super on yeah. ominous and just chilling. And chilling the percussion, themes. like it was, like, yeah. it was like fast paced percussion and for sure. Yeah, that shit, that shit fucking slaps. I still love that soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, favorite MK game. Ooh, ever? Uh, probably nine. But if I'm going arcade era, it's four. 3D era, it's six. Deception, and then uh, current era is nine. Cool. All right. I agree with uh, most of those. <laughs> fair okay. enough. Fair enough. That's the thing, man. There's so many good games out there. We can have differences of opinions oh, and, yeah. and learn from each other. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So, favorite character? Katana. Forever. She's the ah. goat. Yep. <laughs> She's my favorite female character. I already said my favorite character, but, but Katana's definitely my favorite female character because I just feel like among all the female uh, characters, she's got the most interesting arc. You know, yeah. But, yeah. Like, it's, she's in this position where, like, if... I think a lot of people can relate to this in the modern world. We look to characters, we look to fiction for answers in our, in our lives, right? And Katana is... She's someone who's privileged. And if you think about it, she could just kind of go along with stepdaddy's plans to just conquer everything. But she she takes her privilege and she's like, you know what? No, this is not right. And yeah, she takes compass. a stand against that. And I've always really, she's the beauty, the brains, and the brawn. She's she's chef's kiss. She's great. Yeah. I love her. <laughs> well said. <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite background? Ooh, you guys are throwing me some curveballs. Um, <laughs> we had to. You have to. You have to. Okay. Um, I can't remember the name of the stage off the top of my head, but I, I think it might have been a temple. But it was in Mortal Kombat Four when you have like the faces of Elder Gods. I think, oh, the Elder God Shrine. The Elder God Shrine. I yes. love that. It was to, to 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 Mad Mike's point. It was just like to to kind of have the gods bear witness to the Mortal Kombat and just like roar the background. Yeah. Like it yeah. was, and the and the track for that stage was super yes. super Very awesome. Atmospheric. Yeah. Yeah, I love that stage. Favorite fatality. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with the classic here. Even though Kano's heart rip was the first one I saw, I feel like Sub Zero's head and spine rip yes. is like the fatality. Like that's the one you saw on on all the news channels when they were fatality. like combat. Is it ruining your child's life? And then you just see Sub Zero like cry, like just the Mortal Combat fatality, right? Well, so I agree, hundred percent agree. And favorite ending? Um, okay. This is from the modern era. 
I loved the heel turn of Katana and Liu Kang at the end of MKX, seeing nice. their, their, their revenant characters actually come into power and be everything that they opposed was just like heartbreaking, but also exciting for me. And I was so looking forward to what was coming next. I you know what? I feel the same way. And I'm just so let down that they kind of, oh, that's the thing, right? Mortal Kombat 11, because this is going to be good leading up to our last couple of questions here. I was no. so, you're right. The Mortal Kombat X post credit scene where everyone caught got me hyped. By the way, shout out to Joe. We just did Mortal Kombat X story mode playthrough just recently on Twitch. <laughs> The, nice. That post credits scene where Raiden says, hey, there are fates worse than death. Yes. If you dare cross me, Katana and Liu Kang, I will fuck you up. You know, like, I was excited. Yeah. Like, I'm, oh, yes, Dark Raiden versus Liu Kang, you know, evil Katana and evil Liu Kang. Like, I'm here for it. And yeah. we didn't get it. We, we, we got it in the very beginning, <laughs> the brief war, the brief battle in the beginning. Then Chronicle comes in, and then the time, the, 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 the timelines interloop, and I was so let down. I was like, "Damn, that could that had potential." Yeah, it really did. That's that's. I'm very much a journey over destination guy as a storyteller and as a fan. And I can look at. I was also disappointed with how that played out. But in that moment, I was like, "This is badass. This is one of the coolest turns in Mortal Kombat history." Right? Yeah, here. it was. It was. And it was yeah. kind of funny because at that time, uh, Mortal Kombat Legacy Season Two. You know, we saw Evil mm. Liu Kang there. Like, it yeah, was kind of yeah. interesting. Like, Liu Kang was also the, the guy that we looked up to, the, our hero, Earthrealm's right. champion, was becoming the bad guy across all of Mortal Kombat media. It was nuts. It was huge, right? It was, yeah. uh, I, I don't know if you were going to ask me this, but I would say the most shocking moment in Mortal Kombat. And I don't know if you guys will be with me on this. Okay, go ahead. Seeing Liu Kang get his neck snapped at the beginning of Deadly Alliance, that was like, that's oh. like if Capcom killed Ken or Ryu. I was like, holy shit, are you serious? Okay, like, I, I, got some, I got something to say about that. I think I've said this on air before when Tabmuck was here. Okay. So, fun fact. So, I was all hyped. By the way, I actually did not like Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance. So don't don't kill me, people. I wasn't a It was such a drastic change. I, I'm saying the yeah. gameplay. It was yeah, such yeah, a drastic yeah. change. But here's the, so here's the thing. So, Back in the day when we had to pre-order stuff, this is before the, the internet, you had to go put 10 bucks down at GameStop or EB Games where you put 10 bucks down to reserve whatever. Right. So I pre-ordered Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance on Xbox as well as the strategy guide, when strategy guides were still a thing. Oh, now you ready for boy. this shit? My I strategy guide came one day early before Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance came out. So Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance came out on... Uh, was it Mortal Monday or I don't remember, but yeah. I ended up getting it on Friday before it came. So one day before it came out, I actually got, it actually arrived at my house on Friday, the day before it came out. So yeah. I I couldn't wait. So I started reading through the book and so I read the story. Spoiled. So I knew Liu Kang was dead. I wasn't shocked oh. at all. I had the strategy oh, got a day early and I knew Liu Kang was dead. I knew it. That was just to watch that like for the first time seeing that. I was just like. Oh my goodness, they did it. I was, it was more just... mad that, that Raiden relinquished his Elder God status and Fujin was nowhere to be found. I was more I was more disappointed than that than Liu Kang dying. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Like Raiden, uh, pun intended here, Raiden's always been kind of flighty. He's like, no, I can't compete in Mortal Kombat. Wait, I'm back in Trilogy. And it's like, I relinquish my Elder God status. I'm an Elder God again. Like, yeah, that dude, that dude's been uh, back and forth more times than he has teleported. It's it's pretty wild. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. 
Okay. And, and if you, I, I noticed that you mentioned like every four games they change up formula. Right. It's interesting because the next game will be another fourth game. So yeah. technically the formula will change. And I've read into certain sources that they're saying that they might do away with the variation system. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, it was it was always uh that's one of those things I've never really cared for it either. I can see the appeal, but I don't think they've stuck the landing. It's so hard to balance those a lot of the games just end up broken for a long time. Yeah. Because think about it, if you have 20 characters, each with three variations, you've just almost exponentially raised the number of characters you actually have and that actually have to be balanced. It's it's a nightmare. Um, yeah, and not only that, but like at a programming standpoint, how how much longer did you just make the timeline to make the game? Yeah, <laughs> you know, so. yeah, yeah it'll be interesting. But also, like, not only do they change up the formula, but there's usually a Mortal Kombat trilogy. You know, the gangs all here type game. We had trilogy, yeah. and then yeah. Armageddon, Armageddon at the end of that era, and now I'm hoping. That's what I would really like to see from 12. Just like the gang's all here and from 9 to 11. And this is exactly what I want to bridge into before we call the night here. Mortal Kombat 12. We know it's coming. So what are some of your expectations? What, Which ending do you think is canon? We got the Liu Kang's uh, ending where he goes to the past to the Great Kung Lao. There's Shang Tsung's ending where Fujin and Raiden are now his bitches and he's out to conquer. So what are your expectations? What story do you think is canon? Or do you think it's going to be a whole new timeline? What 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 do you think is going to happen? And what do you want to happen? And uh, what any characters on your wish list? Oh, I'm not. I don't consider myself. I'm more of a development history expert than I am a lore expert. But uh, my gut feeling is that I feel like Shang Tsung's ending is the more intriguing one in terms of lore. So they'd want to explore that. Otherwise, why? Um, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why? Why get? Uh, you know, uh, his name escapes me. But the actor from the Mortal Kombat movie back oh, to play Shang Tsung. Get, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. Like, why get him back? Why place so much emphasis on Shang Tsung? Which, as a fan, I'm loving because I'm an old school like Shang Tsung is the final boss fan. Like that yeah. was cool. Um, but uh, as far as expectations for there, I'd love to see them use that ending as a jumping off point for the next phase of the story. And I really just want to see, I just want to see them uh, do another trilogy type game with everyone we've played so far before they kind of shift gears and do something brand new for Mortal Kombat 13, 10 years from now or whenever, yeah. whenever we get that. And personally, I want them to split it into two games. I want Shang Tsung's ending to be canon for 12. Mm. And then I want Liu Kang's ending to lead into another Shaolin Monks. <laughs> I would be I would be cool with another Ooh, adventure awesome. game. I would or, be cool with another adventure game. Absolutely. Or we could get Mortal Kombat Zero and Mortal Kombat Twelve, two separate games. <laughs> oh, now now we're going DC here, like Zero Hour storyline. Just throw it out. You know what? Before we go, Joe. Joe had a brilliant idea. So every now and then, Joe's got. A brilliant, I'm just kidding. Joe's. It happens. Joe's my <laughs> so obviously. I'm a diehard Zelda fan. I'm, I'm already getting the vibe, David, you're a Zelda fan too. Joe came up oh. with a great fucking idea. Yeah. What if we took a page out of Ocarina of Time and Mortal Kombat splits into three timelines? So oh. would Mortal Kombat oh. Armageddon be in the Ocarina of Time? How about there's three different timelines? The timeline where Raiden sends his conscience to the past, which was Mortal Kombat 9. And yeah. then we get the timeline where, where, where Shao Kahn killed Raiden and we get post-Armageddon. 
or there'll be another another timeline where Raiden defeated Shao Kahn and Armageddon, but there's nothing left. Like, I'm like, oh god, Joe, that's a good fucking idea. We can that we can branch cool. off to another timeline from from Armageddon. You know, well, let's let's break the Triforce theme and go to four timelines where we actually get a good. Uh, continuation of Dark Katana and Dark Liu Kang. I need it. Yeah. Uh, yes. No, Joe, I, I love that idea. That's awesome. By the that way, Joe, time. I wish I, wish I could <laughs> say I came up with that idea. I really wish I could. Dude, no, that's great. By the way, I saw your playthrough of, uh, of Ocarina of Time. That is, in my opinion, still the greatest game ever made. So I hope you wow. enjoy it. Wow. Yeah. I am oh, yeah. pleasantly shocked. Pleasant, and it's funny oh. because we just did. We over here at Nerdcage Live, and I'm probably gonna put you on the spot too. We always we've been doing our top ten, you know, because we got new members of the. They're not here tonight, but we got new members. We got Pretty Guardian, we got Derek, and there's me and Joe. We've been doing our top ten favorite movies of all time, which is, right. and we do our top ten favorite games of all time. My mm. number two was Mortal Kombat two. My number one was Super Metroid. So okay, not here, okay. but but my number three was A Link to the Past. Okay. That's the one I hold near and dear to my heart. I, I love Ocarina of Time, but to me, Link to the Past was the game. I just feel like that's the game everybody should play first. And I feel like that's the game that holds the most merit. It's aged the best and so on and so forth. But mm -hmm. I love Ocarina of Time is my second favorite. But I just love... So how do you? So where would you rank Link to the Past and some of the other Zelda games, honestly? So here's my thing about Link to the Past. I think it's a fantastic game. Yes. But the first time in Ocarina of Time, I set foot in Hyrule Field. I watched the sunset. I heard the wolf howl. I, I heard the bridge clink, 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 clink. I heard the bridge draw up at the castle. And I was like, I'm not playing a video game. I'm in a world. And yeah. that was the next level for me. So I think Link to the Past, great game. Yep. Ocarina of Time, brilliant world. It was an evolution of everything that comes forward. Um, okay. I think Link to the Past is definitely a top five game. I'm, I'm, I would say my top five there we go I probably, ask, what's your top five or top ten games go ahead i'll i'll do i'll start with one since, since i already revealed it anyway ocarina of time and breath of the wild majora's mask wind waker and then a link to the past it's interesting how like if mario i'm a 2d guy but yeah. i love the 3d zeldas uh, i actually prefer them over the 2d even though i grew up playing i've been a, i've been playing them since the gold cartridge in zelda one yeah but the 3d games for me are just something really special but mario i love platforming is my favorite genre yes. and to me 2d mario is just the pinnacle of platforming games oh absolutely absolutely yeah. now did you say skyward sword because i know uh I knew Scott was going to bring this up. He wants to know where you rank Skyward Sword. <laughs> if there were 50 Zelda games, Skyward Sword would be number 62. <laughs> ha! Ha! Yes! My I, man, uh, hold on, hold on. I got to play this sound effect here. Where's my hype buzz? Where's my hype buzz, everybody? Oh, got him. Uh, you know what? I thought that here's what I think Skyward Sword did well. And I know we're running over, guys. I apologize. That's, no, but, that's, um, fine, that's fine. We'll wrap this up, so. I think Skyward Sword had maybe the best dungeon design in the series. I loved it was the first Zelda with an orchestral score, and I loved the soundtrack. And I actually did like the motion controlled combat. I hated it. <laughs> so that, that's the thing. Like Nintendo like waited until everyone had like sold off or packed up their Wii's and stored them in the attic to release a game that kind of justified everything they talked about the Wii doing. Yeah. But I thought everything else was just so tedious. I did not like all the Thank repetition. Uh, I just thought it got so dull. And that game, by the way, 
sold so poorly that that's what gave us Link Between Worlds and then Breath of the Wild. So I, when they I'm not last year, Link Between Worlds, I want to because I never had a DS. I want to play it so bad. I think it's better than a Link to the Past, actually. Ooh. Okay. Because I think that they, you know, the, the thing about Link to the Past is it's been out for so long that they've had time to study it and figure yeah. out how can we do that but better. And I think yeah. that they do. Um, yeah. But uh, last year when they were like, for Zelda's 35th anniversary, we're releasing Skyward Sword. And I was just like, yeah, oh, and the game like, and watch, I was let down. Yeah. I mean, it was great because I'm, gl I'm glad we got to play Skyward Sword. But, but even when I played it on the Switch, I still didn't like it. I'm like, this still doesn't feel right. But... Yeah. But can I just say, and Joe, we're going to be playing it next year for sure. I fell in love with Link's Awakening on the Switch because I never played it on Game yes. Boy. I yes. Talk about a fantastic remake. I love Link's Awakening. I really can't wait to get back into it again on Twitch. It's um, fantastic. Oh I God, didn't yes. play it on. I had a Game Boy growing up, but by the time it came out in 93, I was playing a lot of Super Nintendo and a lot of PC games. I kind of moved on from Game Boy, so I completely missed it. So I played it for the first time on the Switch as well, and I was like, this game is fucking brilliant. Like, yeah. beginning to end, that's just solid. Yeah. Yeah, and the, um, and he thought, okay, what are your thoughts on Tears of the Kingdom? Because I'm pumped. I'm super stoked for that. Although, like, again, any similarities to Skyward Sword, I'm, like, cautious. But, uh, yeah. Um, I feel like that's probably why they released the HD remaster to kind of, kind of refamiliarize people with yeah, you know, the flights uh, yeah, and the islands. My buddy and stuff. Scott in the chat said the same thing. Is it's probably gonna have elements of that. Um, yeah. My only wish. Now listen, I like, I love Breath of the Wild, but I do have my problems with it. Um, I like everything that Breath of the Wild did, but the main gripe I have with it is the lack of traditional dungeons and traditional monsters. So I just yeah. hope that. That we still have the elements of Breath of the Wild, but they but they bring back the old school dungeons and the old school monsters. Like I really hope we have traditional dungeons mixed in with the Breath of the Wild mechanics. That's what I want personally. Yeah. I would love that. I think my only concern there, and I understand why they kind of put them on ice, was because yeah, the traditional dungeons are great, but they were linear because there's usually one tool that is the solution to most puzzles, right? Whereas yeah. You could go into any shrine in Breath of the Wild. You and Joe and I could each play that, and we could all like talk excitedly about our unique solutions, yeah. which I thought was really exciting. So if they can find a way to kind of get the best of both worlds, yes, I'd be on exactly. board with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll find out in May, and I, I can't I'm wait. And, and I'm, I'm also curious to see where the story goes, just because this Zelda's one of the most intricate timelines and stories of all time, so I'm dying to know where they're going to go. You know, yes. obviously we're just going to see the return of Ganondorf and yeah, I'm ready for it. Same. And the, the only subject left, uh, I know you said you didn't, haven't seen it yet, is Snowblind. And right. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I am going to say there is a giant twist at the end that ties yeah. it to the game. Be ready for the big twist. Probably going to scratch your head on it. <laughs> I, wow, I will okay. say this, dude. You will like Snowblind. I, okay, I'll say this. My This is opinion. You're, you're a fellow fan, but this is my opinion. I right. do believe Snowblind's the weakest of the three Legends films. And I love the Legends films. But I still like Snowblind more than MK2021. I'm throwing that out there. Okay. But okay. Snowblind's ending's a head scratcher, but the climax, the, the or like the, the third act is amazing. It's very oh, bloody, yeah. you will love it. For sure. My other my other gripe with Snowblind is I'm not a fan of how they depicted Sub Zero. And you will mm. see. But I still think Snowblind's an excellent watch. Um 
And I think Mortal Kombat Legends is the best thing the franchise got going for it right now outside the games, in my opinion. I, I'm, I I'm think not, so, too. I'm not trying to jab at Mortal Kombat 2021, but the world knows what I think about it. So right. I think, and I'm also excited for Mortal Kombat Legends cage match. I'm glad I'm glad we're getting more animated movies. I am. Yeah. But, but Snowblind was the weakest of the three, but it's still really, really, really good. Okay. All right. I'll have to check it out. We did a rapid review, so definitely check that out um, on, okay, cool. on our YouTube shorts. We have the YouTube shorts. You can see our uh, rapid review of uh, of Snowblind. And finally, um, last topic of the night, and we'll call it a night here. Uh, David, what? real quick, just general thoughts on the MK2021 movie and what are you expecting for the sequel? Uh, from what I understand, I'm not going to name names, but someone I know that knows someone that knows someone. I guess you could say that. I guess Mortal Kombat the sequel to Mortal Kombat 2021 starts filming in January is what I'm told. Okay. Um, so do you have any expectations, any wishes, or uh, or if there's anything you know you want to share? By all means, go ahead. I um I think like a lot of people, I you know it wasn't Armageddon, but uh, Mortal Kombat 1995 is still my favorite movie. Yep. Uh, live action movie. Cause I'm, I'm with you guys. I really love the animated movies. I just, I'm, I'm actually not really a movie or TV guy. So I usually see things like much, much later after the fact. Um, but uh, for the, for the, for the next one, um, I just want to see, I, I think one thing 2021 did well is they had this really eclectic selection of characters. Yes. Like, and I like I seeing Natara. Like, I, I wouldn't say they necessarily used her well, but at least she was represented. And I would like and to so see... so was Raiko and... So was Raiko. Yeah. Um, I, I would just like to see uh, an eclectic class, uh, cast of characters again. Yes. I think that as much as I love the poster children of Mortal Kombat, you know, your Katanas, your Melinas, Sub-Zero Scorpion, I also like when they branch out a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to see that. And um, I also am cool with them experimenting. I don't think they always stuck the landing, but I like that the, that the 2021 was subversive. Like Cole fighting Goro, I didn't really have a problem with that. Because I'm like, <laughs> Joe remembers He's that. He's fighting, not killing. <laughs> I know, I, I know, fighting, not killing. I, I thought yeah. that that was interesting because if you're just going to rehash Mortal Kombat 1995, then why are you making a new movie, right? Like, try something different. It might not work, but at least they tried something different. Um, I think they should be willing to to experiment and to keep to keep that going. My I guess my only request is don't cast the Miz as Johnny Cage because I I hate that guy. Okay. Oh, they already okay. got a cast. I from okay, what cool. I understand, it's not, it's not the Miz. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. This I'll say because it's already been written uh, publicly. So I don't okay. know if you know this, David. I work for Joe Blow. I edit videos. I edit interv I edit interviews. And I do face offs for them. By the way, did you, did you see my Jackie Chan face off or no? I saw that. I like that. Thank yeah. you. I've, I've crammed in all the more kind of references. Anyway, so I, I work for Joe Blow, and they wrote an article a few months ago. Now Joe Blow has. Let me repeat this. Joe Blow has sources in every fucking studio out there in Hollywood. I'm just throwing it out there right now. From what I understand. And hopefully this still holds true, but Joe Blow reported back over during the summertime Johnny Cage is going to be played by um fuck, uh, what's, what's that actor's name again from Sons of Anarchy? Um, Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam is Johnny Cage. The one that plays hmm. Jax in uh, Sons of Anarchy. Okay. He is Johnny Cage, according to Joe Blow. Um, uh, I'm not. I'm not breaking because, like I said, it's, it's in the, on the internet. You can look it up on Google it on the internet. They reported it first. Right. From what I understand, it's not the Miz. Thank God. From what I understand, from what I understand, it's Charlie Hunnam is Johnny Cage. 
And we're okay. going to find out in January, because they start filming in January. And from also understand as well, uh, and this is according to Instagram from... Um, this is also public information. That's why I'm going to say it right here right now. Um, Cole, fucking uh, Louis Tan, put on Instagram yeah. that uh, Sissy Stinger is playing Katana. Which I, I saw that. I'd be cool with that. I'd be I'm, cool I'm with fine that. with that. Yeah. yeah. Trust me, she looks good. She can do it. Um, just throwing that out there. But that, that's that's the information that I know. Uh, okay. And I also know, and I know for a fact, they're supposed to be filming in January because they are waiting for Louis Tan to get back from his vacation in Taiwan yeah. or something like that. So they're going to be filming in January, which makes sense. We're going to find out. But I'm just... Exclusive information for all you Mortal Kombat fans. Exclusive information here, right here, right now. Heard it here mm -hmm. first. So all right, you can so That's you can cool. go back, check the tape. When all this stuff comes to fruition, you can come back and check the tape. And if I'm wrong, <laughs> I'm wrong. But I'm throwing it out there for you guys. All right. All the thing, right. Things that I want to see from the the sequel here. First of all, first and foremost, a fucking tournament. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. That'd be nice. Uh, secondly, I hope they expand. If they're going to keep Cole in there, expand his story arc to make it make sense. <laughs> because and, and just an MMA fighter like taking out a bunch of superpowered beings doesn't make sense. Well, they gave him <laughs> give literal him, plot armor, which was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like, give him some backstory. Like, I, I don't know if we ever figured out who his father is. Make his father somebody prominent. I don't know. Right. You know, that would connect it a little bit. And do away with this damn arcana system. Right. <laughs> powers exactly. are either there or they're not they're not you know taken from people you kill it doesn't make sense that's i think they borrowed that from annihilation which was a very big mistake <laughs> i mean i'll give i'll give the movie this i love the look of it i love the gore we got a yeah, sub yeah. great sub we got two great sub-zero scorpion fights so there was stuff i did like i didn't downright hate the movie but i was disappointed because i I was one of those people leading the charge, saying this is going to break the video game curse, rah, rah, rah. And then Joe bear witnessed me three in the morning on HBO Max, screaming, screaming on the couch. Yeah, I think he woke up his entire apartment complex, so. <laughs> I was screaming like, Joe, where's the tournament? And why is Goro dead? Like, like yeah. I was, yeah. I was they mad. made some decisions there. But the, the thing I, I give writers a lot of leeway, because if you're just going to make the same thing over and over, what are we even doing here? You know, I can go. Yeah. I can go back and watch Mortal Kombat '95. I'm cool with them doing some some different things. Yeah, you know? yeah. and yeah. and I I'll be the first one to say that I think the entire movie industry and maybe even the video game industry right now is in the age of reboots for yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah, it's it's risk aversion. It's really it's, really expensive to make yeah, this yeah. stuff, and so it's much easier to bank on a known name. And I mean, look at the, I love the Resident Evil remake so far, dating back to the GameCube and that remake, hello, that Capcom still remade the first up. Resident Evil six years after it came out. That's it's pretty wild. Yeah, we won't talk up. about, we won't talk about the movie or the series because those are terrible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but the games are good. Yes, oh, yeah. yes they are. All Agreed. Right. So listen, here's what we'll do. Uh, uh, David L. Craddock, the floor is yours. Go ahead, promote your book, and, and if there's anything else you want to shout out or promote, the floor is yours, my friend. 
All right. Well, first and foremost, thanks so much uh, to you guys for having me on tonight. It's a real pleasure. I've enjoyed hanging out with you, oh, thank you. and your crowd. So uh, it was a good time. Um, yeah. Follow me on Twitter at David L. Craddock. Uh, Mortal Kombat, Long Live Mortal Kombat is out now. You can get it on Amazon in digital, paperback, and hardcover editions. Audiobook coming, company tells me, uh, in December. It'll also be making its way into stores over the next month or so. So you'll be able to walk into nice. Barnes & Noble Books a Million, etc., find it and um i'm also directing and writing a documentary about first person shooters and i'm writing a video game that will be announced hopefully soon because i'm really excited to to talk about it talking about classic franchises and nostalgia i think fans of 80s and 90s properties are really gonna dig this All and right. it is a first person shooter so i'm pretty excited to, to talk to people about it awesome excellent again congratulations on on your uh, launching your book and Thank no, you. We, we wish you a hell of a lot more success, and I'm going to put you on the spot one last time. Uh, David L. Craddock, uh, would you like to come back on Nerdcage Live again sometime? Hell yes. You don't even have to ask, man. I'm, I'm back whenever you guys want to have me. All right, my man. All right. All right, Joe, let's let's do what we do best. Let's, what we got, so what we got going on? Uh, two things going on tomorrow, Joe. What we got going on tomorrow? Tomorrow, starting at 8 o'clock Eastern, uh, we are going to be dropping my top 10 movies of all time. So Gee, I wonder that. what, based on this thumbnail you see on the screen, I wonder, what, <laughs> I wonder what's going to be Joe's favorite movies. Hey, those are, those are only four of them, and they're not in any particular order. <laughs> <laughs> but we see the emphasis. <laughs> and I left the titles out on purpose, so. <laughs> anyway, um, then later on that night, we are going to be on Twitch playing Luigi's Mansion 3. Mamma mia! <laughs> Too scary for me. That's survival horror. I, I can't handle it. No. <laughs> and then on Tuesday, what are we doing? <laughs> on Tuesday, we're going to be finishing up our Resident Evil 2 marathon with Leon B. Starting at 6.30 Eastern. One sitting, baby. And hopefully, hopefully the game doesn't freeze on us again. <laughs> oh, yes. man. Well, you did your magic on it, so hopefully that worked. <laughs> All right, and then next Thursday at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, we are happy to welcome OnlyFans model, Mistress Leanna Lee. She's a diehard nerd, Wonder Woman fan, Punisher fan. And, uh, yeah, we're really excited to have her on for uh, reasons. So look forward to that, everybody, and uh, just be on your best behavior because Joe will have that <laughs> hammer armed and ready, and I promise to keep my hands above the desk. Um, <laughs> also, Monday, October 24th, Make sure you go see Black Adam because we are doing a Black Adam spoiler discussion. So please see the movie, then come hang with your boys as we give our thoughts on Black Adam and really just talk about the whole damn movie, spoilers and all. We definitely look forward to that. And I don't have the thumbnail ready for it, but we are also going to be doing a uh, we're going to be doing a horror movie ranking discussion on the 27th. Sorry, I don't have a thumbnail ready, but look forward to that on Thursday the 27th. So we appreciate everybody for being here tonight in the chat. And of course, thank you to our super awesome guest, David L. Craddock, the, the author of Long Live Mortal Kombat. Please pick it up. Uh, you can get it on Amazon, wherever books are sold. The website, link in the description. Pick this book up. Again, lots of information in here. I mean, look how thick it is. It's thick with two C's. So, you know, please pick this <laughs> copy up. I'm, I'm proud to have this book, you know, in part of my, you know, collection of other Mortal Kombat books and other books that I have that are video game related and whatnot. And yeah, I mean, this has been a real trip for us, and definitely appreciate the support. So we please ask everyone to like, comment, 
subscribe, ring that bell, and spread this shit like Shao Kahn's empire. So to you I say, from yours truly, Syracuse, New York, to all of our friends around the, around the world at Nerd Cage Live. As always, enjoy life. Stay safe. Eat your vegetables. Do your push-ups. Keep playing Cobra. That. <laughs> Keep reading. Read by this book. Fuck Cobra. Fuck Game Freezes. <laughs> and good night, everybody. Do you want the chance to win a free brand new Xbox Series X? All you have to do is subscribe to NerdCage Live over on youtube.com slash nerdcagelive. Once we get to 1500 subscribers, we'll release a video on how you can enter. No purchase necessary. Contest is for US and Canada only. Ooh, trying to get out of the NerdCage, are ya? Well, before you go, Hit that subscribe button! And if you're really intrigued, ring that bell! Thank you for dropping by. Until next time, tell everyone you know about Nerd Cage Live!